position, short position, and then they can try to drop the market by manipulating the price. But that is why also when, when it comes to Bitcoin, the, the best investment strategy is to be long-term because short-term, you have a lot of volatility. Welcome back to Young Smart Money with me, your host, Apple Crater. Today, I've got a treat for y'all if you're interested in the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency. Okay, we've got Ivan on tech on the show. This dude is 22 years old and absolutely crushing it in the world of blockchain, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, all of that good stuff. He's got an academy with over 12,000 students, okay? This guy is reaching mass amounts of people on YouTube as well. Got over 200,000 subscribers, absolutely killing the game. So I wanted to have him on the show to share with you guys how you can get started in the world of blockchain and crypto and the things that you need to know to go out there and get yourself educated so that you can start making good financial decisions and really just know like what's going on because so many people they'll, they'll like DM me and they'll be like dude what's up with crypto and I'm like man you got to check out Ivan because he knows what's up with crypto so we're going to share with you guys everything you need to know to get that basic ground level understanding of cryptocurrency because again that's not something that I am an expert in um, but it's something that Ivan is definitely definitely an expert in so I wanted to allow him to come on the show and share that expertise with you today so without further ado I want to welcome Ivan on tech onto young smart money today so wherever you guys are at whether you are commuting to work or at the gym I want you guys to sit back relax plug in and enjoy this episode of young smart money all right, Ivan, welcome to Young Smart Money. How are you doing today? I'm very good. Good to be here. Thanks so much for the invitation, Apple. Absolutely. It is a pleasure. So um, Ivan is somebody who is, is doing huge things in the crypto space, in the blockchain space, and that is why I want to have him on the show today um, because I know a lot of you guys, a lot of you younger listeners have some misconceptions or just some lack of information when it comes to crypto. So I'm super stoked for Ivan to be here and to uh, sort of set those things straight. So Ivan, you feeling ready for it? Yes, I'm ready. Let's dive right in. So the first place that I like to start off all of the interviews is sort of flashing back in time and then working our way up to the present. So I'm curious, since we do have younger listeners, like what were you doing in like middle school and high school years? Like were you already getting interested in, in sort of like the, the crypto side of things or were you, what were you doing, man? At that time, I was mostly interested in the programming and the programming has really been my passion for a very long time. I started when I was nine years old. Wow. And this is, by the way, something that many people have a misconception about. They think that it's very difficult and it's hard to start. But in reality, it is not difficult. It's all about do you find it interesting or not? And I found it extremely interesting. And so um, uh, I, I did programming uh, in my spare time. I also had uh, hobbies such as swimming and uh, I studied a lot. I, I really was this geek uh, kid <laughs> in, in school. But then in high school, School, I learned about cryptocurrencies and uh, in particular about Bitcoin because my friend was very into that and he told me about uh, Bitcoin that it is a currency on the internet that nobody controls it there is no central bank central company uh, or anyone really controlling the entire system and so for me as an engineer I was very interested how can it work how can it be so that we have money on the internet and nobody controls it no nobody double checks so that everything mm -hmm. is correct w what stops me from just copy pasting Bitcoin so yeah. all of these questions led me to to become very very interested in the uh, in the technicals of bitcoin and then you know cryptocurrencies really exploded and we have so many different projects and so many different technologies today but really th this is where i came from and it was a hobby for a very long time as well. I had this crypto passion uh, as a hobby and I worked at a big corporation here in Sweden called Ericsson as a software developer. Uh, and this was in 2016, 
early 2017. Uh, and at that time, I realized that nobody here at Ericsson knows about uh, uh, crypto. And that is how I started the YouTube channel. And then the YouTube channel, Ivan on Take, grew a lot. And it grew so fast that I didn't even stay at Ericsson. Now I do cryptocurrencies and blockchain full time, where we educate people. We have the biggest online academy about blockchain cryptocurrencies, where we educate people how it works, how you can build things on top of that, how you can program things on top of Bitcoin, Ethereum, and other cryptocurrencies. And, uh, and then, of course, we do daily streams on, on YouTube, on Ivan on Tech. And so it's, it, it's really a fantastic uh, opportunity for me and my team to be able to work with crypto full time because this industry is crazy. It is the most crazy industry out there and also maybe the industry with the most opportunities right now. Absolutely. And in full disclosure, I've been through um, a couple of your different programs. And I have to say, man, like of all the programs out there, like you go in depth, like this dude cares Thanks. about his students. So I just, I just got to say that because. Thanks, like, man. Thanks, man. So, okay. So diving a bit deeper into crypto, first of all, can you just give our audience um, a quick like definition of both crypto and then blockchain so we can sort of have that differentiation? Well, cryptocurrencies are digital money. It is money on the internet uh, that was invented on the internet and it is used on the internet. Cryptocurrencies uh, have no one controlling them. So for example, let's let's speak about Bitcoin in specific sure. because it's easier and then we can talk about others. So uh, Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. Uh, everyone knows that there will never be more than 21 million Bitcoin in existence. Everyone knows that there will be a new block produced uh, every 10 minutes and the new block basically means that we have a bunch of transactions being confirmed every 10 minutes uh, Everyone knows that it's impossible to hack because everyone can read the source code So Bitcoin is open source meaning that you and I we can check the source code We can read the code and we can even contribute to the code if we would like to if we are skilled enough uh, So everyone is aware exactly how Bitcoin works and everyone by by being aware everyone understands that there's no way to hack Bitcoin There is no way to multiply Bitcoin by just copy and pasting. This, is, this was my biggest question when I started. And you realize how much value this gives to the world. Just these basic things that you have a digital currency that is global. It is available 24 seven. The only thing you need to use it is an internet connection and a phone. It really gives economic freedom to the entire world. Imagine if you live in some kind of country in Africa, you, you have zero connection to the outside world when it comes to uh, monetary transactions. And it doesn't matter how smart you are, how brilliant you are, maybe you're the next Elon Musk, you're the next Bill Gates. It doesn't matter because nobody will be able to fund your startup. You, you cannot send and receive international transactions. Why? Because there are no banks there. The, the financial infrastructure is extremely lacking. So when it comes to financial inclusions, cryptocurrencies are very important. Also, you look at Venezuela, you look at uh, a lot of other countries that are struggling a lot with hyperinflation. Why are they doing so? Well, because the government uh, has made a lot of mistakes when it comes to managing the economy. And the only way to fix those mistakes is by printing more, uh, more money, by adding more, uh, more money into the uh, ecosystem and into the economy. And this leads to inflation because... If, some, if somebody starts printing money that you hold, your money becomes worthless because it's all about supply and demand. So people increase supply, well, your money becomes worthless. Uh, and for those people, it's also very important to have a digital currency such as Bitcoin that is available to them and that they can use instead of their local currency. So I think it's really all about freedom. It's all about being connected to the world and all, all about being part of the global uh, financial system because financial exclusion today is one of the biggest reasons for power 
poverty and one of the biggest reasons why so many people are poor in the world because without financial exclusion you lack all uh, opportunities that we in the western world and uh, a lot of other de de developed countries have right now so this is really bitcoin and uh, this is really the simplest explanation i can give about bitcoin then you also have the blockchain blockchain is really what allows Bitcoin to function. Blockchain is really the technology that allows us to have this currency on the internet without any central entity controlling everything. And you can think about blockchain like this, uh, like this database. And the, the special thing with this database is that you can only add information into it. There's no way to remove information. So mm -hmm. in case of Bitcoin, we're using blockchain in order to store all transactions. And you can only add transactions to it. And you cannot add invalid transactions. So if I try to say, hey, I have a million Bitcoin and now I want to spend this million and I do not have any incoming transaction to me with that million Bitcoin, then the rest of the network, because Bitcoin is really a network of computers, so it is a, a network of machines running and validating each other. So the, the network will say, you never received this, these funds. We can look in the blockchain, which is this database that you can only add things to, and we can see that, hey, you never received this fund, so your transaction isn't valid, so there is no way you can add it to the blockchain. So really, this is, this is the revolution that started the whole uh, crypto and blockchain space, the invention of a database where you can only add things. And then you can can have different rules that um, th that uh, need to be complied with so for example in case of bitcoin you need to actually have enough money to create a transaction that spends that money it is those simple rules that you need to comply with in order to write and add information to the blockchain uh, so th that is a simple explanation about these two different concepts mm. i mean you just dropped so much value there and for like the person who came into this not having any idea what crypto or blockchain was i think you really just laid that out in a very very easy to understand way Perfect. So next thing I want to ask you about is, is sort of like who, who came up with the system? I mean, this seems like a very like, like revolutionary system in that it could do so many different things as far as like the, the ledger that you can only add to, you can never subtract from, um, who, who came up with this? It's a, it's an anonymous person or a group of people called Satoshi Nakamoto. And it's really the spirit of the internet. I feel that the Bitcoin was Bitcoin system was invented in the spirit of the internet because it was completely anonymous. Somebody just posted a white paper, basically a PDF describing the system. And later that person or group of people implemented the white paper. Basically they took the ideas and then they turned them into code. They actually could show as a piece of software that was, that was built on top of the principles in the white paper. So that person or group of people is completely anonymous. And at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter who those people are. Because as I mentioned previously, Bitcoin is open source. So anyone mm -hmm. can look, look and read the source code. It is kind of like speaking about uh, Pythagoras or, uh, or Euclid or some other mathematicians. We don't know if they were good people or bad people or evil people. Maybe they were real jerks, but we don't care. We know that their math works and we can use it today. So from that perspective, it doesn't matter. However, it does matter from another perspective. And that is the fact that uh, that account holds approximately 1 million Bitcoin. So Satoshi Nakamoto could mine the early Bitcoin. And when it, from the beginning, it was easy to mine. So by just uh, mining on your computer, you could mine quite a lot of Bitcoin. So from a financial standpoint, it does, it does indeed matter because uh, 1 million is approximately 4 or uh, 5% of the entire supply of 21 million. So from that sense, it does matter. But uh, what's interesting is that that person, haven't, they haven't moved their funds at all. So if you think about all the crazy rallies Bitcoin had, I mean, it went from basically zero to $20,000 in 2017. 
uh, and that person they did not touch a a single bitcoin a single satoshi a satoshi is like a cent in bitcoin mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, many people speculate that that person is dead, that that person is no longer uh, around us. Because uh, imagine for yourself, if you if you had one <laughs> one million Bitcoin worth uh, 20k each. So uh, this is still a mystery, and it is an ongoing mystery. And there are people claiming to be Satoshi. There is now a uh, a lawsuit actually being uh, being performed where a person will try to prove that he is Satoshi. <laughs> but personally, I think it is it is still a mystery and we still don't know who that is or maybe it was a group of people that is also possible that is that's fascinating and and i knew there was some anonymity there but i didn't realize that like they they hadn't touched any of, Not of it at all that's maybe the most amazing thing that satoshi came gave this uh, system gave this cryptocurrency and then left and yeah. uh, the, the day he moves his coins, that everyone will lose their minds. <laughs> it will be completely insane if he moves the coins. I'm sure. I'm sure. So, like, why this 21 million number? First of all, like, why is there a finite limit? And why, why 21 million? Is there any, like, certainty there? So, a finite limit is in order to replicate gold. Basically, Bitcoin is intended to be digital gold and replicate as many features as possible. So, for example, we have mining, and mining currently secures the network. When you're mining, you're basically running a, an algorithm on your computer, and when you do that, the network becomes more, more secure. But in reward, you get uh, some Bitcoin, and you get Bitcoin from inflation. Basically, these Bitcoins are created from thin air. And right now, we are approximately at 17 million Bitcoin being produced. And remember, I told you that the maximum amount will be 21 million. So until we reach 21 million, we will have new Bitcoin being produced. But at that time, it, it will seize, uh, uh, we will, the inflation will be zero. No more mm -hmm. Bitcoin will be ever produced. And I think it is because uh, the, the design was to add scarcity, to have something that is digital and something that is extremely scarce. And uh, maybe that is the biggest evolution and revolution. And even Eric Schmidt, the previous CEO of Google said that the biggest innovation with Bitcoin is digital scarcity because in the digital world, it's so easy to copy paste once again. Hmm. So Bitcoin, Bitcoin really invented digital scarcity. Why it is 21 million? I'm not sure why exactly they chose that 21 million. And really 21 million is not written in the code anywhere. Like there's no number, you know, 21 hmm. million. Instead, it is this uh, inflation that is decreasing with time. And if you calculate how many Bitcoin we will have when that inflation decreases, it will be 21 million. But, uh, and also being in the space for, since 2013, I haven't heard a good explanation either why it is 21 million. And uh, I don't think it re really matters a lot why it is 21 million because the market will adapt to that number. So the market will price each Bitcoin having that total 21 million in mind, just like the market prices gold, like an ounce of gold, depending on how much supply is available. So uh, I, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day because the prices will be adjusted to that total supply. For sure. And I mean, right now, the, the, the market for cryptos is, is, I would say, pretty volatile when compared to other types of financial markets Absolutely. out there. Do you think that once it hits that 21 million number, things are going to smooth out a little bit? Or do you think that's not the case? I think it's going to be way before because the inflation is dropping uh, is dropping in an ex an exponential at an exponential rate because it halves every four years. So oh, okay. from the beginning, we had 50 new Bitcoin being produced every 10 minutes. Then it halved. So four years after Bitcoin's, Bitcoin's Bitcoin launch, it was halved to 25. Mm -hmm. uh, and then yet again to 12.5. The next halving 
will happen next year. So then we will drop to 6.25 Bitcoin for each, uh, for each block, which is each 10 minutes. Mm. Uh, so the drop is uh, exponential. So in, the, in a few years, we will basically have mined most of Bitcoin, but still the inflation will continue for 100 approximately years, but it will be a very long tail. If you imagine the chart, it will be... Yeah. It will be dropping very quickly and then we'll have a very long tail until it basically reaches zero. So I think the price will stabilize when the market grows because right now the market is still quite small. Um, you look at Bitcoin, it's, uh, it's about uh, between $100 and $200 billion, like the entire market cap of Bitcoin. It is extremely small. You look at the gold, gold is $8 trillion. So we're really comparing <laughs> peanuts to, to gold. Uh, so as the market grows, the more stable it will become. Right now, if you want to move the price, uh, for example, many, many people speculate that there are many manipulators in the Bitcoin space right now who can take a short position, basically bet against the market. And when you do that, you, you gain, you, you earn money when the market goes down. So they can take a position, short position, and then they can try to drop the market by manipulating the price. But that is why also when, when it comes to Bitcoin, the, the best investment strategy is to be long-term because short-term, we have a lot of volatility, prices go up and down, plus 10%, minus 15% is not unusual on an average day. So uh, it's all about the long-term and the prices have stabilized a lot during the past years, but uh, it's all about the long-term. Short-term, it's extremely hard to predict these prices. And if you just look at a few years back, you understand, you really, you really get a, a good example of that because we went from 1,000 to 20,000, then to 3,000. Now we're back at nine at 9,000 again. So it is really a roller coaster. And that is also where a lot of possibilities are, but that is also where a lot of money is lost. So I think you need to be extremely careful and think extremely long-term and do not put more than you can afford to lose, of course, as always. Absolutely. So with this like roller coaster volatility, Right now, is Bitcoin like a, a viable way to pay for things? Because I mean, earlier you mentioned like in, in countries like in, in like in, in places like Africa, like getting startup capital and, and really like transacting with with sort of this currency. Is it is that even viable right now? So many people don't actually pay with Bitcoin. They use it as digital gold. So they okay. store it for the long term. And even if you look at the volatility and you just look at the average price of Bitcoin, it has been going up. I mean, although we, we have this roller coaster, the trend is still still upper. So many people don't actually want to spend Bitcoin because maybe it's the most, the, the scarcest thing there is that the whole world agrees that this is scarce, scarce and this is valuable. So th therefore, we don't see a lot of merchant activity in Bitcoin. However, many people just want to store their wealth in, in Bitcoin. I would uh, encourage you to, uh, and your audience, when you have time, just Google Bitcoin saved my life. And you will get to an article from the New York Times, I think, uh, where a person from Venezuela describes how he could save his family from famine with Bitcoin. So it's not really about using it to buy coffee or using it on, on a daily basis. It's more that, hey, it is for the long term. And uh, it, it's, it's all about having digital equivalent of gold. And so therefore, maybe in the future, when the price is stable, people will be more willing to spend it. But right now, people are not really willing to spend it because they know that it's probably going to increase. That is the general sentiment. Because if you are in crypto and you think it's going to go down, I mean, you will just sell and leave, leave the industry. So people who are in the industry, they think that it's going to go up. Uh, so people are not really uh, willing to spend it, but you have many opportunities to spend it. There are different debit cards right now. You can basically get a Visa card or MasterCard card and you can... Uh, and you load that with Bitcoin and you can spend it really? anywhere you want. 
Yes, so uh, so th that is very popular right now in many countries. Uh, so there are many wa different ways to spend Bitcoin, but uh, there is an interesting law in economics called Gresham's law. So Gresham's law says that bad money will always be preferred to good money when it comes to daily transactions because nobody wants to hoard bad money. So if I have fiat currency like the dollar or the euro or whatever currency that is not scarce. I know that the central bank can print uh, more of it whenever they want. So that shows me that it is bad money because there's no scarcity to it. Bitcoin is good money. I know that nobody will be able to inflate it. So when I buy things, I mean, obviously, if I have some fiat money, I, I would like to spend that and keep my Bitcoin. I don't want to give my Bitcoin away. I always want to give bad money away and keep the good money. So this is a very, very famous law in economics called Gresham's law that good money gets hoarded, bad money gets spent and circulated. And I think it is just an example of that law we see right now in Bitcoin. People think that Bitcoin is too, too, uh, too scarce and too precious to spend. Hmm. So I know we've been talking about Bitcoin so far, but what is, what's your personal, like either favorite or like what crypto are you really watching right now or, or excited for? There are so many exciting things really, <laughs> but when it comes to, when it comes to something that will work out long-term, uh, Bitcoin, I think 100% will work out long-term. Uh, you have other cryptocurrencies such as Monero and Zcash, those are more private. So they, you basically cannot really see what kind of transactions happened. I do not really necessarily believe that they will succeed because most people do not really care about privacy. Hmm. Uh, that is the sad really? truth. I mean, uh, most people don't. Look at Facebook, look at Google. People use them, they I don't care agree. about that. But most people do not like banks, see? Most yep. people think that, that uh, banks are a bit shady. They try to trick you. So that is actually, actually a global consensus you have across countries. Uh, and uh, therefore, it gives, it, it gives me validation that Bitcoin will succeed because Bitcoin removes the need for banks in many cases because you don't need to have money at the bank. You have money in your own computer or in your own like, hardware wallet which is a small device where you can hold Bitcoin. So there seems to be a consensus that we need a better financial system, but there isn't a lot of consensus that we need to have, you know, this private money where nobody can read transactions. I don't know how it is in the US, but if I tell to people here in Sweden that, you know, there is this private internet money that is completely opaque where you cannot read any transactions, people will say, hey, it's only for tax evasion, terrorism, we don't want that. Yep. In Bitcoin, you can see all transactions because this blockchain database we discussed earlier, this ledger is completely transparent. Anyone can look at it, look at it. So actually, it's a very, very bad choice of currency for criminal activity. Uh, so th that is why I think Bitcoin will succeed. There are so many other experiments. I mean, maybe the biggest experiment right now is uh, Ethereum, which is the second biggest cryptocurrency to date. And when you look at Ethereum, it's all about building applications, building software on top of the blockchain. So for example, when we talk about Bitcoin, we really talk about the first application that is being built on top of blockchain technology. And blockchain technology is more like a platform. So Bitcoin is this money application that is built on top of blockchain. Then Ethereum allows you to build anything you want. So you and I, we can build, for example, a social network and it will be running on top of a blockchain and it will have the same properties, for example, that nobody controls it. Nobody can shut it down. Nobody uh, owns it. Nobody has uh, access to everyone else's information uh, if you don't want to. You can, you can either do it completely public or you can do it uh, private. So um, in that sense, it is also a whole new evolution of the internet where we go from internet 2.0 
2.0 to Internet 3.0. And Internet 3.0 basically means that we have websites that interact with the blockchain and, and not only with a server. So uh, that is maybe the biggest experiment that, that is unfolding right now. But uh, there are so many technical challenges still left with that. And therefore, I think... It, this web 3.0 idea needs to prove itself more before it becomes uh, before i start believing to it on it 100% like in bitcoin 100% and that's that's just a fascinating concept to think about that whole web 3.0 thing where we're, we're interacting with right. with websites or interacting with the blockchain as well like i can't even like think about that right now, but that's just, that's just mind blowing. And, and you know, with web 3.0, we have so, so much innovation happening within the finance space as well. So you mentioned the fact that Bitcoin is volatile. Where, well, right now there are cryptocurrencies being built on top of Ethereum that basically adjust their supply depending on the price. So if the price goes up, they start printing more currency. When the price goes down and it goes down too much, then they start destroying currency. So basically, it is like a decentralized central bank. And they, they hold the value of that currency at $1 all the time. It's really mind-blowing. And uh, I think we are at such an early stage. This is going to take 20, 30 years before it really hits mainstream and before we really see worldwide adoption. It's like the internet in the 80, 80s, maybe 85 or something. It, I, I, I mean, you can see that this is going to be huge, but also that we're so early on. And that is also good because there are so many opportunities. Imagine if you were in the 80s and you could and you can use all opportunities at that time that were open to you when it comes to the development of the internet and everything else so i think we see a lot of opportunities in front of us for sure so like what are some of those opportunities that you think um our listeners could maybe start to dig more deeply into and, and start, start to take advantage of well uh you look at for example there, there are low-hanging fruits and there are a bit more high-hanging fruits sure. so you look at low-hanging fruits for example right now many people are starting to invest in blockchain domains because all of these applications on top of ethereum they need their own domain system so many people right now are becoming domain investors in crypto, just like people were buying .com domains in the 90s. Uh, and because they understood the long-term potential, this right now that is happening in crypto. It's completely low-hanging fruit. You don't need to have a lot of knowledge about how crypto works. You just need to understand how you can buy domain names. Now, the, the more, the more high-hanging fruit would be to actually educate yourself. So this is, by the way, why we have our academy. I, I don't want to pr promote it too much, but it is really what drives me every day because you see, uh, for example, the big companies such as Facebook, Twitter, they're all trying to understand crypto. They all, they're all trying to get into crypto. And obviously, they need a talent. They need competent people who can help them. And if you are competent in an area that is very new and where you don't have a lot of competition, well, you, are, you have a huge advantage. So from a professional standpoint, I would say that crypto is the, the industry with most opportunities. And I saw it firsthand because when I started doing videos on YouTube about crypto, suddenly I got so much attention at Ericsson, my, my old company I worked at. So this is something that uh, many people will use as an opportunity to really climb the career ladder faster. You look at the big banks and big institutions, you look at Morgan Stanley, uh, you look at everyone else on Wall Street right now, uh, they're viewing this and they want to get in. They want to get in and right now they're struggling to understand what's happening because there are so many different types of coins. There are so many different types of blockchains. And really when it comes to Bitcoin, we are open sourcing finance. So all of these finance institutions, they have been closed for uh, up until now. All transactions are completely private. There's no way to, to, uh, to, to view analytics or to see anything that is going on. Blockchain opens up finance. What, what internet did to information, it opened up information, now all information is public, so that blockchain does that to 
the financial world. It opens up and open sources finance. You realize how much opportunities there will be for the big corporations and big, big banks and big institutions in, in crypto as well. Uh, and I, I think at the end of the day, maybe the most exciting part of this all is that there, there are so many opportunities to be an entrepreneur. And you look at how many projects are now starting to deliver different services to the crypto community and they're becoming billionaires. So you look at CZ, Google CZ Binance, you will see the, maybe the quickest billionaire in history. <laughs> uh, he became billionaire, I think in six months or something. It's, it was mind-blowingly fast. Binance is the biggest cryptocurrency exchange. And uh, they had a, uh, a profit uh, uh, that was above $200 million in, in, uh, in one of the quarters in 2018. That is more than Deutsche Bank. That is more than, it's completely mind-blowing. So maybe that, maybe that is the biggest opportunities there are. And I definitely think you need to look closely into crypto if you still aren't involved and you don't know anything about it. Absolutely. So you mentioned like big companies like Facebook getting involved with crypto. Um, what are your thoughts on, on like companies coming out with their own cryptocurrencies? Is that something that you would be interested in? We might see a Facebook cryptocurrency this year. And yeah. also the reports have been that it might be this month, which is, uh, in, my, in my view, it's kind of too soon because uh, wh- I don't understand why they're uh, rushing so much, but it could be. I think uh, it, you cannot compare it to Bitcoin in any way. There are there's many things that are called cryptocurrencies, but there are many things that are not really like a cryptocurrency, but they're still called a cryptocurrency. So Facebook coin, they, they will call it global coin, as I understand it. Uh, it will not be, probably it will not have a fixed supply. Probably it will be controlled by Facebook. Probably it will not be open to everyone in the mm. world who has an internet connection. So many of the most basic features of cryptocurrencies will be lost. Uh, what's good though, is that I think people will understand the value of Bitcoin even more. What's good is that people will see that, okay, if Facebook is going into crypto, it must be important. It must be something that we should get, uh, get involved in as well. So I think it gets a lot of validation to the crypto space. And also it's important to know that uh, whatever happens in crypto, usually projects are open sourced. So if Facebook does a cryptocurrency, I cannot imagine that they would not release the source code because it wouldn't make sense. It would really not make sense to do a cryptocurrency that is closed source. Uh, And in that sense, each project is contributing with research, with new ways to program these cryptocurrencies. And I think it will be net positive. I think the end game for Facebook is to become kind of like WeChat in China. I don't mm. know if you've been to Asia and you've been yeah. to China, but if you, if you are in China, you realize that everything is, <laughs> is in WeChat. All of the bills are paid in WeChat. You get salary in WeChat. So really, there is no need to leave the ecosystem of WeChat. And if we really think long, 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 long term, Maybe it is the case that Facebook coin wants to replace the US dollar at the end of the day, because if, if you just use the Facebook coin to pay for everything and you receive a salary in the Facebook coin, you never leave the Facebook coin ecosystem. I mean, what stops them from just cutting the link to the US dollar? Just like the US dollar cut the link to gold because nobody was uh, trying to get gold for US dollars. Everyone just used US dollars. They cut the link and something like that could happen to to Facebook as well. But at the same time, it's also a bit far-fetched because the US government will never never allow that. Looking at how far the US government goes to protect the dollar worldwide. But hey, I think it's all about, for Facebook, it's all about control. It's all about capturing more and more of 
of the payments uh, payment uh, market in in their app and uh, maybe they're using blockchain as a marketing word uh, we'll see exactly how it works that is the thing we don't know what it is and or how it works this facebook cryptocurrency but one thing is for sure it will not be like bitcoin at all it will not be open for everyone transparent and uh, and inclusive that, that is something i can guarantee you yeah, I completely agree. I mean, they're definitely going to want to like keep some stuff under under lock. Right. But yeah. <laughs> just giving more exposure to the, to the industry as a whole is, is always is always a good thing. Sure. Sure. Exactly. So you talk to a lot of people who who I'm sure are just like getting started in the crypto space, the blockchain space. What are some of the biggest misconceptions that you see people coming into this area with that, that you think um, we should we should cover today? I think one of the biggest misconceptions is that it is used for criminal activities. And uh, I think we need to understand how technologies evolve and how technologies get adopted and that all new technologies are in some way being adopted by criminals because the criminals always need to be one step ahead of the law enforcement. Look at any technology, look at fire, look at cars. Probably the first person to light a fire was a criminal or to, to drive a car or to use shoes. And you realize that when there is a world changing technology such as cars fire shoes bitcoin uh criminals maybe will be the first people to use it but as the as the whole uh, technology grows and being more and more adopted so will the average use case reflect the normal human being you look at the internet i mean if you told me that you were going on a date with someone you met we met on the internet in the 90s i will tell you that you're completely insane that you will get murdered and uh, probably sold on the black market for organs so you understand that it is something that is quite strange today to, to be thinking back and seeing how afraid people were of the internet in the early days because of criminal activity, which happened a lot. There were many scammers just paying with a debit card on the internet or credit card on the internet was kind of scary up until maybe 2010, 2011. At least for my mom, I remember in 2012, even 13 maybe, she was kind of suspicious about giving out her car details. Now it is completely normal. So it is true for all new technologies that are revolutionary. As they grow, as they get more and more adopted, the use case will reflect the average human being. Do we still have criminals on the internet? More than ever. The number of criminals on the internet today is more than it has ever been do we ever talk about shutting down the internet no because it doesn't make sense because the value created is so much more for everyone than the damage created because of a few a few criminals so that is maybe the biggest misconception another misconception is that you need to have one bitcoin i don't know how many times i've heard it people say i don't have a $10,000 to buy one Bitcoin. But the thing is, you don't have to. Bitcoin is divided into 100 million Satoshis. So like the dollar is divided into 100 cents, Bitcoin is divided into 100 million Satoshis. So you can literally buy $10 worth of Bitcoin. And you can transfer, uh, you know, 100, 100 millionth of a Bitcoin. So it, it is truly mind-blowing when it comes to micropayments and microtransactions. Uh, so that, that is something to keep in mind. Do not buy one whole Bitcoin. You don't have to. Uh, what else? Well, something else that, that is, um, is that Bitcoin is not needed. That is maybe the biggest, even bigger misconception when it comes to the Western world, that Bitcoin is not needed because people think that they have their debit cards and their mobile app payment and everything else is working fine. But you need to look globally and you need to understand the things we talked about, that we mentioned about financial exclusion, 
about hyperinflation, but also corruption. I think corruption will be uh, will be decreased a lot with cryptocurrencies because all transactions are uh, are public if you want them to be public. So there's no need for the government to really not use a blockchain for public uh, for public transactions. Uh, so I would say those three. So what did I say? I said number one that's used for criminals. Number two that you need to buy a whole Bitcoin. Number three that you uh, that you what did I say last? Uh, that that is not needed. That is not yeah. needed. You need to think globally, not not only of your own country. I, and I by the way, before we move on, I just want to give you a statistic. Most people in this world do not have a bank account. So we're really talking about billions and billions of people. It's not like a few, a few millions somewhere that need Bitcoin. We're talking about most people in this world. Really? Yes. Wow, that's, that's, that's shocking to me. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, those are all three things that I've heard multiple times when, when I've talked to people about Bitcoin, blockchain. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you covered all three of those because I know those are things that are extremely widespread. Right. So, Correct. yeah, so you said you started your YouTube channel. I want to flash back a little bit to that right now. Um, once you realized that so many people at your company at Ericsson didn't really understand what was going on with crypto and blockchain. So talk to us more about that decision for you. Like why, why YouTube? Well, I think because I just, I was watching Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, all of these guys on YouTube and I was just inspired. I had at the back of my uh, mind somewhere I had this, uh, this, uh, uh, idea that being online is a good thing and it was actually from several successful people I heard it uh, from different influencers online that you need to be online you need to get attention uh, also lately I follow Valuetainment I know that he has been on your channel yep. uh, and he basically also said the same I watched that interview that you had with him that hey you need to put yourself out there you need to put yourself out there so uh, I had that I had this uh, this idea at the back of my head and then I saw an opportunity to start talking about cryptocurrencies and that is how really my, my idea from the beginning was to climb the career ladder as I told you, that this is really a big opportunity for many people right now. So my idea was that, okay, I show people on the internet that I know how cryptocurrencies work, how blockchain works. Maybe my career will move faster or maybe Google will, will write to me and I get a job there or something else. So uh, that was the idea. But uh, it was also very validated. I mean, you understand that in our economy, the attention that you can get is maybe the most valuable thing. Because there's so, so many different things fighting for people's attention. You have Facebook, you have Google, really. Attention maybe is the new gold of the 21st century. So if you can get attention, you can keep attention. Also, if you can get attention that is from a group that is very special and that people have trouble reaching, uh, th that is maybe the best. So uh, this is, these are the things that I always kept in mind. And then if YouTube came to me in 2017. I decided, okay, now I'm going to do one video per day. It started as... Um, uh, as programming from the beginning, then I kind of realized, okay, crypto is where I can show the world the most. This is where I have the most, I can contribute the most. And also this will help me in my job. And since then I've only been doing crypto, but it, it took really maybe a month, a month of just putting videos every day and not seeing any result. But I didn't really care because uh, I, I just had it as an experiment. Uh, and to do it every day, it was also fun. It, it wasn't boring to do it. It was fun to do it. I did it every day. And then it, it, it took off after one month. And of course, it was uh, good timing because cryptocurrency started to take off in 2017. And there was a lot of, of attention. But I had a lot of good knowledge around that as well. So all in all, it was very, uh, very, very fortunate. And uh, something also we have to keep in mind is that although it is luck, but at the same time, you need to be trying different things before you became, become lucky at something. So 
I, I did so many startups, I did different apps, I did different ideas, they all failed. So, and then suddenly YouTube succeeded. So it's all about throwing spaghetti at the wall, suddenly one sticks. And then, uh, and then it's important to realize that, I mean, it is not luck if you, just tr if you just try many different things. And even though it might look like luck, it's not, it's not at the end of the day. Absolutely, because you've been taking action that whole time. You've been keeping your eyes open. So many people yeah, yeah, will have these yeah. opportunities just pass them right on bikes. They don't even have their eyes open. Right, exactly, exactly. So since then, it's been a very fun journey. I mean, uh, now I do streams every day and uh, we have been able to expand with our academy and everything else. So it's, it's fantastic, it's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Why did you decide on every single day? Because there's like nobody, nobody out there is doing that. Uh, I think... Actually, if you look in crypto right now, it is kind of standard. Everyone is doing really? it. But I thought that it would be good because there are so many things that are happening because there are so many events, so many technologies. There's really so much to cover. And this industry is mind-blowing. This industry is completely insane. I, I'm telling you, there is never a day where I have nothing to talk about. There's <laughs> always something happening, both good and bad. I mean, we have to be honest, there are many bad things happening as well. Exchanges getting hacked, uh, uh, you know, hackers trying to figure out how to break these things. No, nobody has succeeded in breaking cryptocurrencies, but people have succeeded in breaking exchanges. Hmm. Uh, so th there are so many things that are happening, both good and bad, and I just like it. I like it a lot. And also it's, I, I like growing because the more you show yourself on the internet, the more you grow, uh, the more people recognize you. So uh, it's been very important. And actually, my inspiration was Grant Cardone because he does every day. He yeah. has a corporation. He has kids, wife. Uh, I don't have that. So I have no excuse really to <laughs> not do it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say your studio reminds me a lot of, exactly. of Grant Cardone's yes. studio. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, he's the reason I have the studio, 100%. I wouldn't have it without it, with, without him. And also I had him on the channel. So for all, all of you who want to hear Grant Cardone speak cryptocurrencies, go to Ivan on Tech, Grant Cardone, you will find it. That's awesome, man. I'll have to check that out. I didn't even know that. It was amazing. It was amazing. <laughs> that was before the studio. I didn't have it. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> now you got to have him back on. Show him, show him what you've done. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but so what about, what, what about you? What about you? What kind of uh, schedule do you have nowadays? Every, every day. Podcast goes up every Good. day. Good. Yeah. And you, is it mostly interviews or do you do like uh, Ryan Scribner where you describe things for yourself? At this point, it's all, it's all interviews. Um, I did do a little bit of, so I did a lot of solo actually back in the day, but now there's just so many amazing people that I want to talk to like yourself right. that I'm like, I gotta, I gotta just <laughs> do interviews. Cause I mean, and I also realized, man, I'm 20 years old. So like, I don't have all the answers. There's, there's so many people like yourself that know so much more than I do. So I'm like, people can learn so much from me, but they can learn so much more from everyone else. Right. Interesting. Interesting. Awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah. So um, also, I'm also curious when you decided to launch the Academy, because clearly there's, there's definitely a transition there between like putting stuff out on YouTube and then transitioning into like creating these, these really valuable like resources for people. So what right. made you want to, to shift into that area? I just noticed that YouTube doesn't like that kind of content on YouTube. And I had people wanting that content. So, I mean, when it comes to cryptocurrencies, you can get very deep. There's so much to discuss. There are so many technical issues to cover and technical aspects. And many people are interested, but that is maybe five, ten percent of people that watch me. They want to, to have this extra knowledge. So if I put a video on YouTube with that technical knowledge, only five to ten percent of my viewers will be interested. So YouTube will think that it is a bad video and it will not show it to many people. And obviously, I want to have as many views and likes and shares and everything as possible. So uh, I thought, okay, I'm going to create the content that is most popular and that I enjoy. And if people want to learn more, uh, there is an academy. 
and uh, the people that want to learn more also want to pay. So it was a perfect match because in order for me to be able to do YouTube every day, I need to get paid. So it was perfect. And we launched the academy in, uh, in December 2017. Now it is the biggest academy with all, over 12,000 students. And we teach development when it comes, we teach programming from scratch. You don't need to know anything. Then we teach how to program on Bitcoin, on Ethereum, on EOS and other platforms. Uh, so it's been really, really growing very, very fast. And I think it was the perfect uh, decision because what, you, what, what I've learned now is that YouTube is really for, for showing that you know things and for, uh, for addressing a larger audience. And uh, in that sense, I show that I know things, I can explain very interesting things on YouTube. But if you want to go deeper, then it is the academy that you need to go to. Because if I start to go deep on YouTube, people, most people will not care about that. They, they don't want it. But 5 to 10% might. And that's why academy is important. And everyone does it. I was really inspired by also Grant Cardone and yeah. everyone does this, these courses because obviously there's so much to, to say. And it is, it is not always easy to tell everything in an entertaining way, especially that people have so short attention span nowadays. So it's very, it's very difficult to be entertaining and also extremely give this deep knowledge. So therefore, I only want people who really want to learn this. They are, they are happy to spend time. They're happy to study, to do homeworks, to do assignments and everything else we have. And we have the academy, the academy for them. So th that was the initial thought. Huh. That's a super interesting way to think about YouTube. I've never really like thought about it in that, in that way before. Because YouTube watches how many people watch how much of your video. Yeah. So if you have a long video and people only watch two minutes because then you go super technical and super deep, YouTube will think that it's a bad video. Unfortunately, it is like that. It wasn't like that before on YouTube, mm. uh, before they started optimizing and really doing all of the changes they did in the recent years. I mean, previously you had uh, just the views and it, it helped a lot of big channels because if you had many subscribers, all of your subscribers would get all your videos, you would get a lot of views and you will get even more subscribers. Nowadays, the subscribers don't even matter. It's, uh, it's more what YouTube thinks about your video and maybe they will show it to your subscribers if they think it's good enough. <laughs> and wow. they will decide whether it's good enough by showing it to just a few people from the beginning. So when you create a new video, they will say, okay, let's see how good this video is. And they will maybe show it to 100 people and see how, how, how many minutes do they watch. If they watch a lot, then YouTube will say, okay, it seems to be a good video and they will spread it further. And so th that is the reasoning behind, behind the strategy. Oh, that's fascinating. Well, Ivan, before we wrap up the show, I have a couple questions that I like to ask all of my guests. Are you feeling ready for those? Yes, yes, let's go. Awesome. So the first question I have for you is what is something that genuinely has you excited right now? This could be in the world of crypto, blockchain, or really just anything. I think it's the uh, the younger people. I mean, I'm pretty young myself. I'm only 22. Uh, but at the same time, you realize how quickly everything is changing. And um, you see this, you know, 12, 13 years old, playing Fortnite, paying for, <laughs> paying for things that don't really give them any in-game advantage. I don't know if you've noticed that. They're, they're, they're stealing their parents' credit card, trying to buy things on Fortnite, and it's only skins. It's only skins for the game. But it's very important because it really show, shows you the, the power of digital economy and really digital items and digital goods. And this is where my fascination with crypto meets gaming because these kids understand the value of digital goods and items and the future of the economy is digital. I think in the near future, it might be the case that we, we're all living in VR virtual worlds where, because they're just more interesting than, than our normal world because you can create so many experiences. Well, imagine all the things you have to buy in that world. 
I don't know if you watched the, the movie Ready Player One. The, the book and the movie are fantastic. It's about this, this future where everyone is going to work, going to school and hanging out in VR because mm-hmm. the real world is it's depressing. It's, it's really not, not a fun situation we have in the real world because we have used all energy, we've used all oil, so everyone just goes in VR. And you know, I think it is the first sign that the digital economies will be huge and you will be buying real estate, you will be buying clothes, you will be buying everything in, in those digital worlds. And probably they will be running on a blockchain because obviously if you have a digital world that is important for everyone, where you have your friends, your work, your school, you don't want a company owning that. You want it to be global and neutral, kind of like a public infrastructure like Bitcoin is. So I think that 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 is very exciting. So kids understand how to use internet way better. They understand the value of digital goods way better. And I think that is exciting. It wasn't like that when I would never buy a skin just because it looks nice. I mean, why? (laughs) So it's quite interesting mindset. Huh. Fascinating. So Ivan, do you have any habits that have served you particularly well, either in business or just lifestyle? Well, I, I think it's just being focused on, on growth. That, that is maybe the most important thing. To try to develop yourself every day, growing mentally, growing physically, going to the gym, being, being very important. I, I don't know how many videos I've watched from Grant Cardone and Gary Vaynerchuk and all of them, but it's also important to know that, hey, at the end of the day, it's all about action. Yep. You cannot sit and watch Grant Cardone for five hours a day and not do anything. It's important to expand your horizons by getting new ideas, but also about uh, action. So I think the combinations, the com- combination of growth, but also acting on that growth is, ha- have been very important. That's the truth. You got you to make time for implementation as well. If you're just watching YouTube videos for eight hours a day, you're probably not going to be getting those results <laughs> that you want to be getting. <laughs> you're getting pumped, you're getting excited, and then it's time for bed. Exactly. <laughs> right. All right, Ivan, you've been dropping so much value on our listeners. I'm extremely grateful for that. Where can they go to find out more about you? Obviously, if they're on the video version, they can see your Twitter handle in the background. But um, for our audio listeners, where can they go to find out more about you and uh, follow up? Yes, Ivan on Take on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram. That, That is the best way. Awesome. And I'll put links to all those in the show notes below for our listeners to be able to easily access all of that. Well, Ivan, again, I'm extremely grateful for your time and choosing to spend it here on Young Smart Money. Do you have any last parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you want to share with our listeners today before we wrap up? Sure. Thank you for having me. It's been, it's been amazing. And uh, for all listeners, do not miss the opportunity. I mean, when it comes to new technology, when it comes to something that changes not only technology, but also finance, we're rev- revolutionizing maybe the oldest technology there is, that is money. And uh, just understand what's happening. You don't have to buy Bitcoin. You don't have to get invested. Just read, understand, and then make decisions. Because the worst thing, I think, is to just miss this, not use any opportunities, and uh, not studying it. And just wake up 10, 20 years later and learn about Bitcoin at that time when it's way too late. So just study, okay? Study and then make your own decision. That's the truth. Educate yourself out there, kids. Ivan, it's been a pleasure, man. I appreciate your time and and, uh, being here on the show. My pleasure. My pleasure. Thanks. 
Well, there we go. Another episode of Young Smart Money in the Books. Glad you guys were here to spend it with us um, and really soak up as much value as possible from the guest of the day. Now, if you guys haven't already left us a review on iTunes, I know I say it at the end of every single episode, but I really do love those reviews. We've got nearly 200 at this point, which is absolutely amazing. It's crazy to see that we're reaching hundreds of thousands of people with the podcast and that some of you guys have actually chosen to go out of your way, take five seconds and write us a review it means the absolute world to me. And again, if you guys don't know where to find the review section, because a lot of you guys hit me up and you're like, I want to write you a review. I, I love Young Smart Money so much, but I don't know where to write the review. You just scroll all the way down. You go to Young Smart Money, you scroll all the way down past all the episodes, past nearly 200 episodes, and you find the write a review section. You leave me all of your thoughts, all of your genuine, heartfelt comments about the show. I read them all, I digest them all. They get me going every single day. So I really appreciate that. And the last thing that I want to say to you guys before we wrap up here is I want you guys to take action, okay? You just spent nearly an hour maybe more than an hour consuming this content. And I want you guys to take action. Okay. I really encourage you to, while you're going through the show, be mindful, take notes, really soak in the information. Don't just be there and let the information flow through you. Like let it soak into who you are and really, really find something, find one thing that you can take away from this episode that you can go out there and actually apply right now in your day today. Okay. I want you guys to stop listening for po to podcasts for the next little bit here, um, maybe the next 15 minutes and just think about how you can start to take action. Okay. Think about one thing that somebody said in this podcast today that you can apply to your own life and go out there and implement it. Okay. And then let me know how it went. Cause guys, I see so many people just listening to content, soaking up content all day long, but they never do anything with it. Okay. So I want you guys, I don't want that to be you. I want you to be the person who actually takes action. So go out there, take some action. Let me know how it goes. And I will see you in the next episode.